your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30. Wandale, 25-20, 15-10-5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Nate Rohr. Stuck with us again for another few days. Not sure when Greg's getting back. He might not ever come back. Yeah, he's lost at sea right now, I think. Uh, Off the coast of Florida at last check. He sent us some uh, pictures of the Florida Gulf Coast campus, and we can only assume that he's become overwhelmed in Dunk City. Yeah, I mean, he he might be like, one of those halftime acts that are like jumping on the trampoline, you know, <laughs> doing the doing the dunks. Yeah, he, he's just because Lord knows he's able to dunk without one. He, yeah, Greg has ups, <laughs> very explosive. Yeah, explosive athlete. It's all it's all what we all strive to be. Yes. Hopefully, everybody's uh, weekend and holidays were were wonderful, were spectacular. I think for most, um, if if not already, today was the official start of the year yes. you know your break is is done and over with and probably a lot of frustration in offices today nate realizing that you know you're not going to get another break for a while <laughs> and uh in that long christmas break that at least you know people in our office had uh is over so hopefully they enjoyed it all yeah you've got about 152 emails to page through and somebody emailing uh, you about something four times just just fun times yeah but back to the grind back to the hard work and here we go at least for us not greg greg's you know still out of here utilizing the vacation time as as he can that's right uh we still have a full three hours of sports nightly coming your way tonight we have a lot to get to over the next three hours of the show coming up here in the first hour we'll get a look at some husker hoops with chris basnett from the lincoln journal star Huskers had a press conference earlier today following their workout. Chris was in attendance. I know I can confirm it because I was there myself. Oh, wow. Saw him with my own eyes that, that Chris was there. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on everything Husker hoops coming up here this hour. Of course, uh, the Huskers fall to Rutgers in a big way uh, on Friday. So Chris Basnett, the Lincoln Journal Star, will stop by. Coming up in hour two, we will switch gears and talk Husker football with Brian Christofferson. From Nebraska 24-7 Sports, BC has been all over um, this Nebraska special teams situation. Uh, even before the news today with Javon DeWitt, he put out an article kind of analyzing where Nebraska was at in terms of special teams and what needs to improve there. Uh, and, of course, with the news today of Javon DeWitt uh, departing the Husker staff for Chapel Hill, no better time to talk to Brian Christofferson and get his thoughts on and not just the special teams, but what the Huskers are going to be looking for or how they may fill that outside linebacker void, which is a very big question. So we will get into that uh, with with Brian in hour two. Uh, as I mentioned, over at Husker Hoops today, was able to sit down with freshman Yvonne Wadrago. So we'll get the thoughts of the 17-year-old. It's, it's hard to believe that that dude is 17, you know, sitting next to him and just watching the way he works. But um very fascinating story he's been away from his uh parents he's been living on his own since he's been 12 Mm. um obviously you know basketball a big part of his life he was not with the team in italy he was you know playing for his home country of france and uh and and half a world away here 
going to school. So very fascinating young man. Uh, we'll get our first sit-down one-on-one with him in hour two of the show as well. In the third hour of the show, Nate will take a look back at the weekend that was in sports. Obviously, NFL was the main focus this weekend with the first round of the playoffs. Some really, really good games that we'll go over this weekend. And even some overtime conversation. Pat McAfee seems to be one of the hottest names in sports right now with his his bull coverage. He's on a lot of the talk shows of ESPN. Uh, he worked with Barstool for a while. He, of course, the former Indianapolis Colts punter who is known for, um, you know, kind of his carelessness. Doesn't <laughs> Nothing yeah. seems to bother him. He was the one that in Waco, Texas, on college day, game day, jumped in the water off the boat. Yes. Uh, this dude just doesn't really care about anything. But he has some interesting thoughts on the direction that he thinks the NFL should go uh, with the overtime rules. Even after last year's playoffs, I'm still bitter about it. I, I do think they need to change. I don't know that I'd go quite as far uh, to what Mr. McAfee has to say, but uh, interesting comments that he had. We'll dive a little bit of into what we think should happen in the NFL uh, overtime rules with uh, some things happening this weekend with the playoffs uh, two years in a row, actually. So we'll get um, we'll get into that a little bit today as well. If you want to be a part of the show, feel free to dial us up on our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Well, Nate, let's go ahead and start with the big news regarding Husker Sports today. I didn't expect the shooter drop, um, but you sent out the text this morning, and sure enough, it was uh, reported by basically every college football reporter that Nebraska assistant coach Javon DeWitt has accepted a position at North Carolina, as Tim told you in our ticker. Uh, same same duties, special teams and, and outside linebackers going to go coach with Matt Brown. Mac Brown, I think um, – this might be a good thing for both parties. I know mm-hmm. Javon went through so much with the throat cancer and, you know, his family's just been through hell and back this last year. He lost a couple of his outside linebackers that he's been with since he got here. I think this is, this might be a good time to just cut the cord and start fresh somewhere else. Yeah. For him, it's an opportunity to just get a fresh start and to have a new set of people hearing his voice where, you know, here, especially after the struggles, both, from the outside linebackers and the special teams, you know, there might be some issues with credibility. You know, why, why are you right this time when what we did last year didn't work? Uh, so he gets a fresh start, and I think it's an opportunity for Nebraska to really examine the special teams aspect of it. You know, the, the kick coverage game was such an issue for Nebraska I mean, putting aside Nebraska's issues in terms of field goal kicking, that was just a freak run of injuries. There's nothing Jovan DeWitt could have done about that. Uh, but, you know, kit, when, when you're as susceptible as Nebraska was to the big kick return, there, there were significant issues on, on that side. So that speaks a little bit to the opportunity you talked about where Nebraska can get a fresh start, a fresh set of eyes with that unit, and, and, and hopefully improve that part of the game. Let's talk a little bit about the outside linebackers and and the step that they need to take. I I, I was thinking about this today, today, Nate. I was kind of run th- running through my mind a little bit of, of what to expect in spring and, and kind of the early storylines. Other than quarterback uh, and receiver, I think those are going to be two big ones. 
But but I think the number maybe the number one thing on my list is going to be the focus on the outside linebackers now with a new coach and and just the lack of production that the Huskers have gotten at that spot. I think you know to me you're you're bringing in a, a junior college player. You have some other freshmen coming in to try and help out that spot, but you you wonder what type of step forward Caleb Tanner is going to have. It's time for some of these guys to start you know, making some plays and doing some things. Tyron Ferguson was a big disappointment last year. Uh, the importance of this position, to me, might be number one going into the spring. Well, especially to create a pass rush. And that was such a struggle last year for this team was getting a pass rush without blitzing a bunch of people. Uh, Eric Chenander was really doing about everything he could to generate some issues for that quarterback in the pocket. And unfortunately, especially as the year wore along, teams figured out the blitz package and were really able to protect their quarterback well you need a dominant outside linebacker a guy that really shifts the pass protection every time he's out there a guy that you you have to deal with and Nebraska just flat out didn't have that guy I mean they were hoping for the development of Alex Davis and that didn't happen you mentioned Tyron Ferguson seemed like he really couldn't stay on the field even a guy like Garrett Nelson who who I think is starting to work to maximize his gifts, but you wonder how high the ceiling is for him. So that, that'll be a valuable thing for this defense to have an entirely different look at that position, different players, different coach, different techniques, different ways of getting to the quarterback and hopefully different results. You, you sure hope that uh, <laughs> strides can be taken, steps, steps can be taken because – that that's the next thing is and that and that's probably th- going through the 12 game season last year other than disappointment with quarterback play that that was the comment that we got the most was seeing the improvement from week to week uh you felt like you saw it in year one especially mm-hmm. the way the huskers finished the year but i think a lot of people felt like they didn't necessarily see that from week to week uh, as the as the season went on the huskers did start to play better when the season was was drawing to a close but you know that taking taking that next step and improving and and there's no better time to do that than right now in the off season no doubt about it and when these guys get back to campus get home get back from their homes for christmas and i think that all happens next week because school is still out you know until next week but when they get back uh, they need this needs to be a big weight room year for those guys. And you mentioned one guy in particular, Caleb Tanner, and he looks, underlying looks, for the world to be that sort of guy, the, the, prototyp- the prototypical guy you want at outside linebacker. Looks like he has the physical gifts, looks like he has the frame, and yet he's not produced. He's not produced at all. And, and so you have to tr- have that guy turn the corner or some of these newcomers uh, be in a place to where they can really help you coming off the outside because that's where your pass rush is going to come from in this 3-4 defense. You know, you, you hope you have defensive linemen who chew up blockers, but those inside backers aren't usually a big part of your pass rush. It's your two outside linebackers that usually do the bulk of the damage and determine how good your defense is really going to be, especially in the aspect of putting pressure on the quarterback. I think the frustrating part when it comes to we're singling out the outside backers here, but just the lack of pass rushes. Nebraska has played so many opponents where they've had really good pass rushers. Yeah. And in the most recent examples, A.J. Epinesa. Now I know he's a five-star. 
You know, he's you know one of those NFL first round type talent players, and those guys don't grow on trees. But how many how many of those guys have we seen Nate play for teams that that weren't that that were three star guys? That when you look at a guy like Joe Gaziano for Northwestern, or you know other players that have given Nebraska a lot of problems, you know they just they 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 stand out and and and. You, we walk away from every game. Well, man, why why can't we have that? Right. Why don't we have that guy? Well, think of like a Wisconsin Zach Bond. Yeah, I mean that guy's a, a, a converted quarterback. But man, he was he was a force this year at linebacker for Wisconsin. And the Badgers drive you nuts in general just because they're the whole talent profile of that program is less than Nebraska, and yet they develop each and every guy, and they get better each and every spot, and. Whatever that formula is, this Husker coaching staff, especially now that they're looking for somebody to fill a spot, they're going to have to find that formula to improve each position and, and, and to find guys that you can project. You think about the outside linebacker sort of prototype, and and in my head I'm thinking Luke Gifford kind of fits that profile, right? And, and he was – productive when he was healthy last year for Nebraska as a guy who's lanky who played some defensive back but you can also put some muscle on him like that's the sort of guy you need at outside linebacker and he also has to be smart and Gifford was a quarterback in high school so that helped him and you need a guy that's willing to work and willing to build himself and and so hopefully with a new outside linebackers coach you can you can drive that unit forward because there was not much production from those guys last year. Yeah, Carter Coughlin, another guy that I, Ooh, yeah. that I thought of. I mean, he he was a four-star, and I think he was even a top-100 kid. But still, I mean, it, those are the types of players that Nebraska has gone up against, and you wonder you know, why they haven't been able to, to, to get that guy that you can just put on, a, on an edge and say, okay, go get that guy. Yeah. Um, and it's just – you know they've had plenty of of guys that they thought were going to be that and, and have done it at times but ne- not nearly consistent enough off and rolling on a sports nightly monday night thanks to everybody for dialing us up here spending part of your evening here with us hopefully everybody had a good start to their week on this monday talked a lot of husker football there in that first segment to the news of javon dewitt Moving to North Carolina for a new position. Huskers now in search of an assistant <laughs> coach. Well, we switch gears now and talk some Husker hoops with Chris Basnett from the Lincoln Journal Star. Chris, back from uh, the holiday vacation. Hopefully everything went well. Were you able to, to do anything fun over the break? I did, yeah. I got back home to the homeland for a few days, spent some quality time, ate too much uh, candy, uh, <laughs> drank too many beverages and, and now we're back struggling through so yeah it, it was a good holiday well hopefully uh husker hoops won't won't add to that cause uh, with with the next <laughs> the stretch of games although the last one might might be an indicator of that with rutgers let's just start first with your takeaways from that game i think our, our worst nightmare anybody that that has been around this team expected that type of game and, and kind of braced for that type of game in terms of rebounding and physicality i suppose what are your takeaways from what happened against rutgers yeah, it's kind of kind of just like you said. You know, Fred Hoiberg said be, before the game that that Rutgers was going to be as physical a team as Nebraska played all year, and that turned out to be true. You, you watch that team warm up, and and that's not like Rutgers teams of the past. They're they're huge and big and strong and long at every position, and, and that's just the type of team that 
is going to give Nebraska troubles this year because Nebraska is not those things right now, and they they certainly will be, I think, down the road. But it was just it was the it was just a tough matchup for Nebraska with the way Nebraska is built right now. And then it gets exacerbated with Nebraska's uh, inability on the defensive end to kind of stop Rutgers from driving into the paint and, and, you know, dumping it off to a big man for a dunk or grabbing an offensive rebound or whatever it may be. So, yeah, I was Rutgers played the kind, kind of game that Rutgers plays, and, and that's not the type of game that right now Nebraska uh, is good at and is strong with. So, and, and that's how you get the result you get the other night. Obviously, we're talking about them now because Nebraska just played them, but it- – you know, overall, what kind of job has Steve Peichel done with Rutgers? Oh, he's he's been unbelievable. I, I think everybody knew when he took that job what kind of project he had in front of him. You know, we you probably hear more about where the Rutgers football program is at and, and the way they struggled in the Big Ten, but the Rutgers basketball team was, was in a pretty similar boat. And it, it's maybe a little easier to build in basketball than it is in football, but still, when, when you're going through the Big Ten basketball schedule, it's hard, man, and you you look at that team now, and they look physically like they belong, and, and that's a that's a huge credit to Steve Peichel. He's recruited guys that, that fit his vision, that are tough and hard-nosed and will defend and, and rebound the heck out of the ball, and they have a, a very defined identity, and they played to it, and I think what you saw the other night was a team that's just gotten leaps and bounds better, not only this year, but, but every year that Steve Peichel's been there. When you evaluate kind of where Nebraska is right now, Chris, is it is it what we've seen in the Big Ten? Is it just truly up? Are we going to see any sort of consistency at all this year? Is it truly going to be something different every time these guys hit the floor? Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be something different every every time these guys come out, you know, and people maybe get tired of hearing it, but this is still a team that was, you know, put together in, in 30 days. And, and this isn't a team that's been together for two years or three years or whatever it may be. You've got a lot of different pieces from a lot of different places. And in, in the first year of a new coaching staff, new systems, all that stuff, it's just it's just going to take time. And it doesn't matter if you're at Nebraska or if this was happening at, you know, North Carolina or, or Gonzaga or wherever. It's it's just going to it's going to take more than a year. I think to develop the type of consistency you need to have to compete in the Big Ten, and you know there's going to be nights when when Nebraska looks great. We saw that uh, even in the loss to Indiana and the win over Purdue, Nebraska looked like a team that could compete in this league. And there's going to be nights when you get the other side of the coin when it looks like it did against Rutgers. And I think a lot of nights it's just going to depend on which Nebraska team shows up. You know, does the Nebraska team shows up that can hit shots and, and play a little bit of defense, get some stops. Versus going to be the Nebraska team that that is misfiring from three point range and struggles on the defensive end. So, yeah, it's 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 not anybody's I guess fault per se, but that that's just kind of the boat Nebraska's in right now with where, where the experience level of this team is and and where they are in the building process. That being said, I'm interested in because in, I agree with you. I truly believe this is what we're going to see every year. But but my question then becomes as a coach. How do you evaluate these guys? How, how, do, how, do you, how, do you, how do you look at what they're doing from game to game and measure improvement? Yeah, I think, that's, I think that is the biggest question. And I think it starts with, uh, first off, and this is kind of the cliche answer, but it's true, it's are these guys playing hard every night? You know, when, when it gets into the, the middle of January and the beginning of February and, and it's cold and dark and, and you're having some tough nights, is this team continue to play hard? This season was never going to be about wins and losses. Of course, everybody wants to win, and Fred Hoiberg wants to win more than anybody, uh, except maybe for the, for his players. So, it, it's are these guys continuing to go out and, and put forth the effort, and not only put forth the effort in games, but put forth the effort in workouts and practices to 
to continue to learn the offense, to, to build the proper habits, to, to just build the things you need to build to be a consistent winning program. And, and that's what it's got to be about this year, you know, because that, that, that's where Nebraska's at right now. And it, it's not a deal where Fred Hoiberg was just going to come in and plug five guys in and go to the NCAA tournament and win a couple games. You know, it, it's going to take time, and especially with a whole new roster. So this year it's about building the right habits, and you build the right habits by doing the right things every day when the lights aren't on and you're grinding away in the gym. So if Nebraska keeps doing those things away from games and then can carry them into games, uh, despite what the results may end up being, I think that's how you measure progress with this team. You and I are around the team quite a bit, uh, covering them and, and just kind of, we, we, we can kind of understand the vibe of expectations, what's reasonable, but from what you're hearing with fans, you know, on Twitter and you're interacting on, you know, on your side and everywhere else, Where's the gauge at with with people that you're hearing from right now with what they've seen halfway through? Yeah, you know, I think I think most fans have been pretty realistic. You know, I, I don't think that expectations were really high coming into this season, and, and not that you don't want to have high expectations, but I just think most people were realistic with where this thing was at. They they can look at what Fred Hoiberg did at Iowa State, and they can look at that first season Fred Hoiberg had at Iowa State when, when that team really struggled in the Big 12. I think they only won three conference games, and and then it kind of took off after that. So I think it's a deal where fans knew what they were getting into. They understand what kind of coach Fred Hoiberg is. He, he certainly has the credentials, especially at the college level, with what he was able to do with the Cyclones in his five years there and, and how quickly – he did build that program up, you know, going to NCAA tournament each of his last four years there. So I think, I think Nebraska fans are smart enough to see that and realize that, yeah, it, it might be ugly at times this year, but better days are coming. And, and you can look at what happened at Iowa State, and you can kind of see it happening with Nebraska with, with some of the transfers that are sitting out this year with some of the guys that are coming in next year. And you can start to see, okay, we, we, we have an idea of what this is going to look like. And, yeah, there's going to be rough times this year, but at the same time, I think fans understand that, that Fred Hoiberg was going to need, you know, a season to just kind of in, in, integrate everything he wanted to integrate and, and kind of get his system and his style of play established. Chris Bazin from the Lincoln Journal Stars, our guest. And, and to build off that point, it's impossible to, to go to a press conference or be around practice and not notice the three guys that aren't on the team, technically on the team right now, but not playing and not eligible with Alano Banton, Derek Walker, and Shamil Stevenson. I mean, when, when you see these guys and you hear the coaches talk about them, what do you think you know, they're going to add to this, this part next year? Yeah, it kind of goes back to what we just talked about uh, with Rutgers. You, you look at that team, and it looks like a Big Ten basketball team. And you look at those three guys sitting out, and they look like Big Ten basketball players. You know, Shamil Stevenson has proven he can play at a high level. He averaged nine points a game as a true freshman in the ACC, and, and, and that's not peanuts. You know, it doesn't matter what team you're playing for in that conference. And same thing with Delano Banton. He almost had a triple-double against Wisconsin when he was playing for uh, Western Kentucky. So he's proven that he can do it against Big Ten competition. Derek Walker was in a program in Tennessee that has had unbelievable success the last two years. He maybe doesn't have the numbers of those other two guys, but he's still a talented guy. He's a great leader, and he's been in a locker room that, that has a <laughs> excuse me has had a a really winning culture the, the last couple of years before he came to Nebraska. So it's three guys that that really can play the game at a high level, that really understand the game at a high level. And it's three guys that's really going to help right away, but both obviously with their on-the-court talents, but in the locker room and things like that too. So, yeah, you look at those three guys and you see three guys that, you know, Nebraska's going to struggle, you know, in the actual games and the Big Ten, but they might have the best practice squad in the Big Ten right now with those three guys that are sitting out. So it's a lot of talent that's set to join this roster next year. 
We heard from Yvonne Wejaogo today at the press conference, and we'll hear a conversation later on on Sports Nightly one-on-one with him. But uh, in terms of matchup, this is as tough as it gets with Iowa. Luca Garza, Iowa's dealt a, a tough hand when Jordan Bohannon, their point guard, is out for the year. But Luca Garza had, had over 40 against Michigan. He can shoot it. He can drive it. He can rebound it. I mean, this, this young kid's going to find out what Big Ten basketball is all about. What do, what do you think of this matchup tomorrow? Yeah, it was. you kind of had to smile a little bit listening to Ivan this morning because he talked about, you know, the excitement of going against a player like that and how much he's going to learn going against a player like that. And you kind of laugh. You go, yeah, you're probably going to learn quite a bit, young man, going against yeah. a guy like that because – Luka Garza has turned himself into one of the best big men in the country. Let's face it, he's averaging, he's the only player in the country averaging over 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. He just plays so hard. He's got such a high motor, and he's so stinking tough on top of that. You know, he's he's really, really good. And, and Fred Hoiberg has said over and over and over again, we, we kind of forget at times that Ivan's only 17 years old and won't turn 18 for a couple more months. So he, he's going to get a lesson these next few weeks and it's games like they had against Rutgers it's games like they're going to have Tuesday night against Iowa with Luca Garza where he's going to realize what it takes to to be at the top of this league when it comes to playing in the pain and and playing with physicality and and, and toughness and things like that so yeah you have to applaud the young man because he's not backing down from the challenge and and it's a challenge because he's going to have his hands full Tuesday night. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be a matchup to watch. And anytime Nebraska and Iowa play in anything, it, it certainly has fans' attention. Well, it, it's a little bit quieter time now between signing periods and, and football taking a little bit of a breather. What, what are times like over there right now with, uh, with what's happening and, and a little lull in the action before spring ball picks up? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a situation now where you, you kind of start um, evaluating your program, seeing where you're at. Um, we obviously, we obviously saw what happened uh, today with Jovan DeWitt uh, leaving, leaving for North Carolina. So you're gonna have a little shuffle on the coaching staff there. So, yeah, it's just that kind of year where it is kind of quiet, and that's kind of funny to say because I don't know if it's ever really quiet, yeah. you know, when it comes to Nebraska athletics and, and especially the football program. But if there is a quiet time, this is probably it. You know, this is kind of where you get the coaching staff situation figured out and shaken out and kind of start looking at roles for the coaches and kind of start maybe looking at your roster a little bit as you get ready for spring ball. But, yeah, you know, I don't know if there's ever a quiet time, but if there is, this is as close as you're going to get to it. You bet. Chris Bazin, Lincoln Journal Star. Chris, we appreciate it, man. Nice catching up with you. We'll see you at the game tomorrow. Thanks, man. Appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. Chris Bazin, Lincoln Journal Star with us here on Sports Nightly. Good hour one. Thanks to Chris Bazinet from the Lincoln Journal Star for stopping by. Coming up here in just a second, Brian Christofferson. From Nebraska 24-7 Sports, we'll stop by. We'll talk some Husker hoops with Ivan Wedraogo, Nebraska big man, freshman from France. And we'll talk to him coming up here in hour number two as well. Of course, you're going to be part of the show, 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866-487-5371, the number to our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. News of the day coming from Husker football. One of the assistant coaches, Javon DeWitt, has accepted a new position at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. He will work with Mac Brown and have a similar role to what he had in Lincoln, working with the outside linebackers and coaching special teams. Here to talk about that with us further right now, BC, Brian Christopherson, 24-7 Sports. Brian, first of all, before we uh, get started, did you have a good holiday break? I can't complain. I I was well gifted, and uh, hopefully I return the favor to the people that gifted me. 
Very good. Well, what's what's like a typical activity over the Christmas holidays in the Christopherson's house? Are you guys a game family, movie family? What do you? How do you pass the time? Uh, we're a football and fondue family. There's always football in the background somehow, some way. Uh, and then uh, there's a big Christmas Eve fondue that is a annual tradition in which we eat entirely too much and it's it's actually ridiculous and borderline scary to watch <laughs> football and fondue i mean that's that's a pretty deadly combo right there but by the way congrats to you and your vikes that was a huge win yesterday yeah we got one um that, that was a surprise to me uh, i saw a tweet where there was somebody said how they had zero confidence the vikings would beat the saints and now suddenly they have a hundred percent confidence they're going to beat the 49ers <laughs> and that's sort of the way a vikings fan thinks and i i unfortunately kind of relate to that there is some truth to it so i'm a little too optimistic now and riding too high probably and uh prepared to be deflated like usual this weekend well let's just hope uh bailey doesn't have to line up for a field goal to win the thing other than that you might be all right if that's the case if, the, if that doesn't happen you got a shot well you don't gotta you don't really need to bring up stuff like that ben i was at the uh the Blair Walsh game when oh, it was like no. negative 20 degrees and I had about 10 hand warmers in every spot you can imagine. Won't get all into that, but uh, stayed warm enough that we're going to win and then, of course, uh, we can't make a 27-yarder, but I'm not bitter about it and that's what's important. Alright, well, let's let's turn the page before you hang up the phone on me. Um, you, you, obviously, news today, Javon DeWitt accepted a job at North Carolina, a similar type position that he had at Nebraska. Start first with your, your response and reaction to the news. Well, um, I think it's a, it's a good chance for Javon to, to start out fresh somewhere else. I always enjoyed him personally. Uh, I think anybody who interviewed him did. He was such an he is such an engaging guy and uh, the, his personal story of what he did this last offseason with the throat cancer treatment he was undergoing and how he fought through that and was still there full time in the fall um, you know, that's an inspiring thing and that goes beyond football. So um, I'm happy for him uh, and his opportunity ahead. I also think it's a chance for uh, Nebraska football to look at some areas where uh, they can improve at uh, special teams and outside linebacker play. They're trying to build up depth and get better at that spot too. Uh, so this is a big hire and a big chance for somebody to come in uh, to a job that uh, I would think uh, a lot of people would be interested in, especially the way Nebraska's paying their assistance these days. I mean, they were paying – you know, four hundred seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, basically for for that job previously. So this is a lucrative position. Uh, it's a heavy responsibility position that's open, and it's going to be important that uh, Scott Frost finds their guy who bells well with this staff, but also can recruit and uh, is a very detail-oriented guy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to find out. You know, if it is is it a full-time. Uh, is it a full-time special teams guy? How, you know, how hands-on are they going to be in other areas? You know, with, with Coach DeWitt wearing multiple hats, this this is pretty timely because you just put out a piece kind of analyzing Nebraska's special teams. When you take a step back and 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 watch what what unfolded for the twelve games and and really you know in previous years in general at Nebraska and special teams, you know what what type of influence do you think they need to improve uh, in a lot of those areas that you touched on in your article? Well, it's got to be a big-picture guy who has a, a philosophy that he believes in because it's tough these days because with the true freshman, 
you want to work them onto the field and special teams and, and play them here and there. But you also want consistency with that group. So it's tough because you want to play a guy maybe two games in September and then you're going to play another freshman two games in October on a coverage unit. And it can be uh, a difficult balancing act with those young guys that you're trying to work into those coverage units. So it's got to be somebody who is really on top of every detail. And I think you got to evaluate how much do you use those new kids in those roles if they're not going to be full-time guys and they're not going to play more than four games? Do you want to keep doing that? Uh, and if you do, um, I think you got to be very smart with your plan about how you integrate young guys uh, into those units. When I looked at the numbers, it wasn't as bad in some cases as I thought. Like the punt coverage units, if you look at what they gave up, they hardly gave up any punt return yards. The, Isaac Armstrong didn't have the strongest leg in the world, uh, but the net was decent on the coverage. I think they only gave up like 25 return yards there. Obviously, with the kick returns, everybody remembers the big one that Wisconsin got and the big one that Iowa got, and you just can't have those type of uh, mistakes. But I think the biggest thing when I look back at it is they need to find that strong, reliable leg to start this thing off with special teams because – they only had touchbacks been on, on like 21% of their kickoffs. And if you look around the country, there were 50 teams in FBS that had touchbacks on at least 50% of their kickoffs. So if it's just simple math. When you're covering all those kicks and you're covering a lot more than other teams, you're leaving yourself open to the possibility that you're going to give up a bigger play or two than some other teams because you just have to do it more. So they need to first off, whoever's in that seat, and Scott Frost, they need to find a kicker they can rely on who can get some touchbacks and also where you can, you know, you feel like you can hit more than 12 of 20 field goals, which is what they ended up. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, that on the just the sheer numbers. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would be interested to go back and, and, you know, the ones that are returned, you know, percentage of even just well-placed kicks as well. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. that's, that's a, it's a really good point that you make. And the other parts of this job – and, and I don't think it's just kind of the, the, the one, the, the next part of it. I think it's, it's of equal importance, if not of more importance. I think, Brian, there's an argument to be made that in terms of production, outside linebackers might, might be the number, one, the number one jump that we're expecting from this year to next year uh, uh, if a wish list were to happen. What type of improvement do you hope to see or are expecting to see you know, from that group in particular and now that this spot's opened up a new, a new leader in that area? I want to see him cause more mischief. I mean, I think if you look at the sacks and TFL numbers, they weren't high enough from from that group altogether. Now, JoJo Doman uh, had some good numbers. They were solid, even better than he he did from a sack and TFL standpoint. I think he was a little bit behind what Luke Gifford had before the year before, and I think he could probably hit that. But you need more from the other side. I mean, you need – uh, Caleb Tanner has got to make that big jump. He's got to have a big developmental year. He's an important part of this thing now. Garrett Nelson, we all love Garrett Nelson and what he's, you know, how much it means to him. And he, you know, that's a guy who cried and teared up when he got his black shirt because he cares that much. Um, he, I think he learned a lot of lessons last year, and now he needs to take his game up another level too because he's going to be an important piece of that. But then after that, you're kind of asking yourself, okay, who else is going to step up? 
And there's, you know, Jameen Graham's a guy in the program, I think is an important developmental guy. And there's some new recruits that are coming in that are going to have to have a say in this sooner than later. So I, at this very moment, I still worry about the depth at outside linebacker, probably about as much as any position group on this roster. And we're talking about a position where when you look at this staff and what they did at UCF, we're talking about, like Shaquem Griffin and guys like that who could just turn a game on its ear with four or five plays on a Saturday that take you from losing to winning. And that's what that, that spot has to become. And it, right now they're sort of just surviving. They're trying to keep their head above water there, I feel like. And it's got to be more than that. So it's a big, big job for whoever gets it. And, uh it's got to be, uh, it's got to be a position group that in the next year or two is not just, okay, but is changing games and uh, is, is causing fear for the opponents. And that's where Nebraska's been lacking a bit. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty well said. And that, that position's going to be under the microscope this spring for sure. And people are going to expect, uh, you know, whoever it is to come in and, and, uh, and get that thing turned around. Uh, well, uh, more news today, speaking of linebackers, and I think this is something that we, we talk about a lot when it comes to signing day, Brian, and, and when you look at where kids are, are from on the map of the United States, and, uh, and Nebraska was able to get a couple of kids from Miami and Miami Northwestern. It was announced today that uh, one of the top linebackers in the country for next year from Miami Northwestern is going to come visit uh, Lincoln sometime soon. Terrence Lewis said he's going to, uh, on Twitter, going to come, come up to Lincoln here soon. We're starting to see kind of that trickle effect uh, kind of hand down a little bit. There was potential at Grayson, you know, with Owen Papo, who had interested in Nebraska and ultimately signed with Auburn, had a great freshman year with Mo Berry. But when, when you see things like this and, and the coaches have those inroads, what type of benefits come with it, I suppose, now that you know signing day is just over, but you're starting to see some residual effects? Well, Scott Frost said it well about recruiting Florida, and I think the Miami area in particular. There's some kids in that area that are meant to stay. Like, they, that's home for them. It'll always be home. And you've got to spot that early on in the recruiting process and say, okay, they're a Florida kid. But there are a lot of kids, and especially in that Miami area, and we're seeing this in the last class, that are interested in getting out of there. There, In some cases, I'm just being frank, that some of those areas are kind of bad neighborhoods and that their families want them to get out of there. They want them to see a different part of the country and get, and get somewhere else and kind of start their own life and experience something new. And uh, that's where, you know, a place like Nebraska, I mean, you can imagine it, it's like a different planet if you're, if you're from Miami and you come visit here on a recruiting trip. But I also think the kids who do it, they're kind of like, this is, this is nice, you know. I can, I can be my own person here and start something new. And uh, I can – they love football. I'm going to be a rock star. And there's an appeal to that. And then when one or two of their friends, you know, jumps in and says, yeah, that's what I'm doing, uh, it becomes a popular thing, and other guys follow suit. And we kind of saw that with the last recruiting class. I'm not saying they were all connected, but they all kind of know each other, um, even if they're not best friends, and I think are interested in, in uh, having that Florida bond with each other here in Nebraska. So, um, yeah, he's a, that's a very good prospect that's going to be visiting. He's also teammates with uh, Ronald Delancey and Marcus Fleming, who just signed in that last class. 
And there was a picture of him with those guys on signing day, and he was kind of hyping up uh, Nebraska. And uh, right now Miami football is struggling down there too. So they're struggling to keep the kids in that area. It's not necessarily cool to go play there. And so I, I think there's an opportunity to come from the outside and, and pick a few uh, away from there right now. Nebraska's taking advantage. Yeah, and there's no doubt there's plenty of, of football players down in that area that could certainly come up to Lincoln and have an impact in this program. Brian Christofferson, 24-7 Sports. BC, it was great catching up with you, man. Hopefully your break went well, and, and best of luck to your Vikings next week on the road in San Fran. All right, we'll need it, and I, I do appreciate that, Ben. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank, thank you, Brian Christofferson, 24-7 Sports, joining us here on Sports Nightly. Obviously, uh, changes are coming for Nebraska staff with Javon DeWitt heading to North Carolina. Here's an opportunity for you to become a Huskers local business. As a Huskers local business, we'll showcase your rating score to Husker fans across Nebraska, help you get leads, increase brand awareness, and build your reputation online, all powered by Top Rated Local. Learn more about this opportunity at huskerslocal.com. During the busy holiday driving season, look for Unleaded 88 at a pump near you. Unleaded 88 is safe for your car and the clean-burning choice made right here at home with Nebraska Ethanol. Unleaded 88 gives you better performance and burns cleaner, all for less money at the pump. With Unleaded 88, you can help your engine and the air we breathe while supporting Nebraska's farmers. Visit UNL88.com to learn more and to find an unleaded 88 pump near you today. Making a quick trip to the store? You climb into the driver's seat. You start the car. The seatbelt indicator blinks and sounds. But you decide you don't need to use one. Think you are the only one that suffers if you don't wear your seatbelt? Think again, you're wrong. Family, friends, and coworkers suffer if you are killed or injured in a crash. Click it or ticket. Saving lives every day. Make it click. NDOT Highway Safety Office. As the official bank of Husker Nation, First National Bank invites you to take the game with you with a free Husker Visa debit card. Tied to your checking account, the Husker Visa debit card gets you one-of-a-kind VIP fan experiences, exclusive ticket opportunities, and free Husker checks. Get your free Husker Visa debit card today at any First National Bank branch or visit fnbo.com slash Huskers. First National Bank, the official bank of Husker Nation. Member FDIC. Hey, Husker Nation, this is former Pipeline member Brendan Stye here to tell you Bill Moose was right when he said, Nebraska needs to get back to being Nebraska. And you can help us get there. Go big and be a part of the future home of Nebraska football. This project will once again establish Nebraska as the standard for growth and commitment to student-athletes, and we need your help to make it happen. Contact the Huskers Athletic Fund office or visit huskersathleticfund.com to find out how you can contribute. Go Big Red. This is the Husker Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. You're listening to Sports Nightly. The Husker Sports Network is always on the air on Facebook and Twitter. Like the Husker Sports page on Facebook and follow at Husker Sports on Twitter. You'll get exclusive up-to-the-minute coverage of your Huskers, including live football practice reports, previews of what you'll hear on Sports Nightly that night, instant reactions, action and analysis on Husker News and Nebraska Athletics coverage 
coverage that you can't see or hear anywhere else. Follow the Husker Sports Network on Twitter and like the Husker Sports Network on Facebook today. Imagine having a luxury hotel quality bath in your own home. That's what you get with Bathfitter, a beautiful luxury tub or shower with thousands of options to choose from. They will handle every aspect of your bathroom installation from start to finish. Plus, it comes with a warranty for as long as you own your home. For a limited time, you can get 48 months special financing with approved credit until December 15th. Visit bathfitter.com slash 48 months for more details. Get a beautiful new bath today with 48 months special financing with approved credit. Only available for a limited time, so call today for more details. Offer valid November 18th, 2019 to December 15th, 2019. Hey, how's Marie? Surprisingly well. We got her to Nebraska Medicine right away, and they removed the clot causing her stroke within minutes. Minutes? Really? Whether it's something serious or if you simply want to feel your best, start with the Nebraska Medicine Health Network. This is where world-leading specialists offer leading-edge services you won't find anywhere else in the state, like Nebraska's only comprehensive stroke center and CAR T-cell therapy, the latest cancer breakthrough. We also offer innovative clinical trials and perform the most research in Nebraska. It all adds up to the state's most comprehensive care, so you have every advantage possible close to home so she's all good no problems from the stroke oh yeah perfectly fine i mean you can't even tell that she just went through something really serious wow amazing to schedule an appointment today visit nebraskamed.com nebraska medicine serious medicine extraordinary care your journey starts now arrow stage lines is now accepting applications for cdl drivers across all locations this is not just a driving job this is an adventure. At Arrow Stage Lines, you get paid to experience scenic destinations, sporting events, historical landmarks, and so much more. Drive some of the latest pristine equipment on the road with superior safety ratings, excellent benefits, and so much more. Start your journey today at Arrow Stage Lines. Apply at drivearrow.com. For nearly 50 years, Noddle Companies has carried on a tradition of bringing great developments to Husker Nation. As a commercial real estate developer, property manager, and investment company, we believe the community is our client. Visit some of our latest projects in Omaha, like Hartwood Preserve in the Builders District or River's Edge in Council Bluffs. Don't forget to check out the Inner Rail Food Hall, coming this fall to Exarbon Village. For more information on our projects, visit noddlecompanies.com. Go Big Red! Cruising along, hour number two, Sports Nightly, Monday night. About halfway through the program here tonight. Appreciate everybody for dialing us up, tuning in, spending part of your Monday here with us. Thanks to Brian Christofferson, Nebraska 24-7 Sports, for stopping by last segment, talking some Husker football, specifically special teams and outside linebacker, and the potential improvements that can be made there with the departure of Javon DeWitt to North Carolina. Husker basketball back in action tomorrow night against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Huskers got thumped on Friday by Rutgers. It was Rutgers' largest road victory since joining the Big Ten Conference in league play, and the Huskers will need to bounce back in a big way. And a big challenge awaits as Iowa has one of the better big men in the country in Luca Garza, the man responsible for guarding him tomorrow night, just 17-year-old Frenchman Yvonne Way Drago had a chance to talk with him earlier today uh, at the Husker press conference. Started out by asking Ivan what his journey has been like so far now that he's had about half of his first season under his belt. Uh, I mean, it's really good. Like The Big Ten college basketball is really a high level. you got to 
it's a high level where you got to be focused. Every game, I feel like I improve. I learn another thing. So yeah, it's really good for, especially for my young guys to to play in a, in a great conference like that. What's it the competition competition level been like for you? I know it's a, always a huge jump anywhere going from high school to college. But for what you experienced in your life to to come in here and playing in the Big Ten, what, what what's this been like playing against this competition every day? Uh, I mean, it's it's tough. It's hard. It, it needs a lot of sacrifice. It need to it need to to be always focused and everything. But I mean, I like it. I like challenge. So so it's it, it's hard, but I like it. You're also having to, to deal with college coaching, you know, learning film, learning scouting reports and all that. When, when you're going through that, who's really been, uh, you know, the coach that you've leaned on the most uh, to help you, you know, accommodate your game to what you're going to do, but also learning at the same time? To, to be honest, Hoiberg, I'm always with Coach Hoiberg. I'm always asking him, can, can we watch film? Because I really want to learn about from him because he was a player, he was a coach. He's a, he was a coach in college in the NBA, so I'm really trying to learn about him. Especially on the offensive side, I'm trying to work with him. And Doc was a, a, a great coach for me too because I'm always asking him some questions on the defensive end and I'm trying to work out with him as well too, so yeah. Offensive, offensively, when you came here, what were the what was the part of your game that they really tried to develop and, and tr- tried to you know mold your add to your game that you maybe didn't have or you, you're going to need to have in the Big Ten to be successful? Uh, I mean, we're working on my shot. My shot wasn't that good when I first got here. It's getting better. Uh, we work on we're working on my on my handle. Like right now, I can I can handle the ball better. I mean, I can split on the handoff and everything that's because of them because I work a lot and on my finishes I, I mean I'm getting better but yeah on my finishes you probably knew when you came here that you're going to have a big role because you're the, well, the only big guy that we had available when when they kind of told you what the situation was here at Nebraska what, what did what did you think of that about having to come in here and and start and play right away and really play as many minutes as you could I mean, I knew it because during my visit, I kind of knew it, uh, if I was committing here, I, w- I would be one of the only bigs. So, I mean, that was really excited. I, I came here to, to play right away, to be developed, like to take the, most, the more experience I can take. So I was really excited to, to front this challenge. You've had a, an interesting path, really, before here, too. Um, you know, to get here, you uh, were late. You didn't make the, the trip to Italy. You were doing your own thing. When you first got to Lincoln and, you know, started experiencing your new team, what, what was, like, the first couple of days like for you about what this, this new journey was going to be like? Oh, the first couple of days was, was a little bit, like, I was lost. I, I went to some new dorms. I didn't know anything about the college life. Uh, I didn't really speak a, a really good English. I had to learn on the basketball side. Like that was, that was a little bit hard the first few days. But my coach and my teammates helped me. So yeah, and then he, he started getting better and better each and every day. Yeah, and you're playing with a whole bunch of guys I've never played together before. What, what's this, this the locker room dynamic been like? You know, walking to class together, eat, eating together. What, what's all that been like? You know, with the, with all you guys that have you know never really been around each other. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we really felt like that we was a new team, and especially me because there was in Italy before me, so that kind of some memories together. So at the beginning, that was a little hard, but then we started know better everybody. Yeah, I'm started getting no better. Everybody, we started going to class together, practice together, spend some time together outside the court, and right now we're like a family.
What, speaking of family, what's your family think of this? You coming to, to Lincoln, Nebraska to play ball and, you know, experience this this whole new part of your life that, you know, they obviously can't be here with you every day, but, you know, for you to, to get this experience, what do they think about it? Uh, I mean, my family is proud. They're really proud of me. But since I'm 12, I live without my parents. So, like, they kind of used to me to be far, far, far from them. They're just excited for me, proud for me, proud of me, and they help me to, to getting better and to achieve my goals. All right, let's let you go with this one, man. You've had a few Big Ten games uh, under your belt now. You know what to expect in this league now. You've got a great challenge with Iowa and, you know, maybe the best big in the league is very dynamic and can do a lot of different things. What, what's the challenge ahead of you with Iowa, knowing that, you know, their their offense and a lot of their, their, their team runs through the guy that you're going to be guarding? I mean, I'm really excited. Like, I'm trying to get ready for for that uh, on all aspects, in and of, on and off the court, like for the recovery, everything. I'm trying to really be focused for this game because I know it's going to be a big a big challenge. But, I mean, I came here for, to play a game like that, to play against great players, so I'm really excited. Ivan, thanks for sitting out with us, man. It was, it was great to talk to you. Good luck against Iowa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ivan Wadrago, Nate, boy, I mean, this is a tough situation for a youngster to be in. Um for anybody, I mean, if you've played AAU ball yeah. and, and you come to, to college and you have to start at the five right away, it's tough, let alone for somebody who's coming from overseas who haven't played anything even close to this before. Yeah, it's really throwing somebody in the deep end of the pool thinking that he can play post, and really he's the only true post Nebraska has in their starting five, and matching him up against the physicality and the strength of the of the Big Ten Conference, it's a pretty big ask for him night in, night out, and it'll be one of the stories to watch as this year goes along, how he's able to hold up with the workload, because he's going to be down there in the pit every single game, and at some point that's going to wear on anybody, let alone a guy who isn't even 18 years old. Yeah, and you look at how that Rutgers game went, and you knew that that was going to be a big challenge, and you knew Coach Peichel was just going to say, we are shooting the ball three feet from the rim. Yes. Or you're coming out of the game. I mean, that's basically what it felt like. Mm-hmm. And and they just abused him. Uh, and the physicality, you knew that was going to be there, but it, it's it's increasingly difficult for Nebraska to hold up with those types of opponents. And I'm interested to see how Fran McCaffrey goes at Nebraska tomorrow because – the last couple of years, Iowa has been a run-and-gun team. They don't play a lot of defense. They like to score. Uh, but with Bohannon being out and Garza kind of being your, your the offense is running through him, he is a big man that can shoot. He can put it on the deck. He's got mid-range. He can do everything. But how do they handle Nebraska offensively? I think it's going to be interesting tomorrow. It'll be one of the big issues because, as we've said, I mean, Nebraska will have difficulty down low. So it may be tempting – to, to park Garza down low, but he can stretch you out too. Uh, and he's dangerous on the glass as well, one of the leading rebounders in the Big Ten Conference. And it's always going to be tough for the Huskers on the boards. They had a tough time with that against Rutgers, minus 17 in rebounds in that game. And, and you feel like this game uh, tomorrow night sets up as a showcase for Luca Garza and the challenge is on Nebraska to find a way to slow him down, to find a way to at least control him because he's going to get his. The question is how much of his does he get and how much does everybody else get? Had over 40 in a losing effort against Michigan, averaging over 20 points and 10 rebounds per game. Uh, he's really taken his game to the next level and and has that had that big improvement from year to year and uh and they've needed him to without Jordan Bohannon and 
Um, they, they do have a couple of, of parts back around him with Wieskamp and some other players that are, are kind of filling in nicely. But Garza's the guy. Yeah. And and the, I think the outcome tomorrow, will, how big of a game does he have may determine the outcome of this game. Absolutely. And and you want – he'll get his. He, he's going to do some damage, but – can you at least limit his damage and not just leave everybody else out to dry? That'll, that I'm sure that's the defensive equation that Doc Sadler and Fred Hoiberg and this whole staff is working on right now. You bet. So thanks to uh, Ivan Wade-Dryogo for joining us here tonight. Uh, very early in his career, but he, he will be a good one by the time that he's done here if he sticks it out all four years here in Lincoln. Thanks to him for spending a few minutes with us here on Sports Nightly. 866-HUSKER-1, the number 866. Pat McAfee sure making a name for himself on ESPN for doing various things, saying various things. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I have a hard time kind of explaining what ESPN is trying to do with it. It's like, it's like they know he's a clown show yeah. and they're just putting him in front of the audience. The, uh, the Boca Raton bowl was just out of control with he mm. and Tom Hart and, um, the way that he was acting, he wore like jorts on the sideline and like on a field goal, he like walked out and imitated the refs, um, jumped off the thing on game day in Waco into the, into the lake He's on. He's everywhere now. Um, just, I'm sure the publicity and the response. They've lost so many good people sure. to other networks that they're they're trying to take advantage of this while they can. Um, anyway, this uh, this character went on Get Up, the ESPN uh, show this morning, and had uh, all the answers on how to uh, to fix the NFL overtime. Here's what he had to say. Here is how you fix overtime. You play one extra 10-minute quarter, classic football, Bart Scott. Okay, both teams get the ball. You punt if you have to. Blocking, tackling, throwing, running, you get it. Classic football. If tied at end of said quarter, that quarter I just explained, two-point conversion, sudden death shootout style. One offense is on one side. The offense is on the other side. They go back and forth three times. If one team scores, the other team does it, it's over. Score, score, you move on. If it's tied after three of those, then you know what you do. You go to a kicker duel, just like Alexander <laughs> Hamilton did back in the day. You bring out the two kickers and their holders. They go from 50 yards. If they both make it, you go back to 55. If they both make it, you go back to 60. Then, if it's tied after that, you get a non-kicking player to come out and have to kick an extra point, and so forth and so forth. Not only is it entertaining, not only are the best athletes, kickers, and punters still involved, but it is something that fans can't wait to watch, and that's what I'm here for. You're welcome, Roger Goodell. I answered this Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees problem you have for overtime. I can't help it anymore. He's like 50% of the way there. Boy, you're giving him more credit than I will. I mean, I'm I, – let me rephrase that. I'm, I'm good with it until it starts getting to the – The kicker shootout yeah. thing. Yeah, I'm – like I, I don't even buy into the ten minute quarter thing. Um, I'm, I'm of two minds of this. As a Chiefs fan, hell yes, I want Patrick Mahomes to have every chance he can get to win a game, keep the Chiefs alive, whatever. 
but I, I don't need a 10-minute quarter. I, I don't need the game extended any any longer. I like the drama of sudden death. I mean, that's what this league was built on, really, what was that sudden death championship game between the Giants and the Colts in the 50s. So uh, I think the drama of sudden death is undersold a little bit. And yeah, it's a shame that Drew Brees didn't get a shot at it. And it's a shame that Patrick Mahomes didn't get a shot at it last year in the AFC championship game. But at the same time, you know, what were you doing for 60 minutes? You know, it, it, when, when teams are that even, you almost have to have it come down to that. Now, I can live with the provision that forces you to score a touchdown to end the game, basically, uh, on, on your first possession. And I wouldn't be angry if there were a rule that forced both teams to get one possession, but anything beyond that, I wouldn't be down with. Think about that. Think about it from a Husker standpoint, though. Sure. Like, if you're going to bring this to college and, you know, Nebraska was down by eight mm-hmm. and they go down on a 92-yard drive. Let's let's just use the Northwestern example from last year. Say the rolls are two, two years ago. Say the rolls are flipped. Yeah. Nebraska goes 98 yards. They're losing the whole game. Yeah. They have a huge comeback. They go 98 yards to tie it and go overtime. And the sudden death thing happens northwestern gets the ball and scores i mean you you feel satisfied you're gonna feel satisfied after all the work that you did to get back into it not exactly not exactly i but i also think you know those 60 minutes were good for something of course And, and and but both teams have had equal chances in the 60 minutes yeah so they should have equal chances in the extra period i don't know i i i i like college's system I I would think a system where both teams get one possession. Yeah, that, I mean I don't need a I don't need a ten minute quarter, and I no. think playing that much is is a little outrageous. But um, the way that it is, I I prefer the sudden death to what we have now. I really do. One way or the other. Yeah, I mean I feel really? like I, I find that interesting. I feel like the 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 idea that there is so much weight on the coin toss, like yeah. like. Give me what what happened in the sixty minutes to you know the last team to score gets the ball or the first hmm. team to score gets the ball or a team that had the largest lead gets something that but there is so much weight on the flip of a coin right now of of who gets of who gets the you know and it was that way with the sudden death overtime too I guess but I I don't know I am not with the idea that you know if you get the ball first and one pass interference call can completely change the outcome of the game I'm and not you're sitting like first and goal at the two oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not cool with that at all. I, I I guess my ideal would be both teams get it once, at yeah. least once, and and if at the end of that first exchange of possessions the score is still even, it's sudden. Death. I would be I would sign on the line for that right yeah. now. And, and I you know the other thing is I I don't what I don't like about the college setup is the fact that it totally takes the return game out of it. Yeah. So if but you, they're trying to take that away from football as it is. No, that's true. That's but. true. But, you know, if you are a team with a great return game, punt return, kick return, that's an advantage you don't get in overtime. I, I, I think both teams get one possession. Otherwise, we play it out. Yeah, I'm in for that. But uh, the way it is now, I'm just not a fan of it at all. Um 
so yeah, so much weight on the coin toss, and so many things can happen in just you know one one snap of the game. To have it the, the entire game decided on that is it's not. I'm not cool with it. I know I know a lot of people are fine with it. I know a lot of people, football people, don't want you know the the toll on the bodies and a whole extra quarter and all that. I get it, but you know the way that it is right now, just it doesn't sit well with me.